Jesus is he's speaking to the crowd, but he's speaking God's word. Now, listen. Anytime Jesus speaks, it's God's word because Jesus is God. Okay? Although, my question as I read the story is, is when Jesus speaks to us, when his Holy Spirit is convicting us, when his Holy Spirit is prodding us, encouraging us, challenging us, and whatever it might be, do we recognize it is the word of God? The one that spoke the world into existence is speaking to us. Do we recognize that that's what's happening? So as we continue to look at the story, what we see is um, you know, Jesus gets done talking to the crowd and he turns to Peter and he says, hey, let's put out into the deep water and put your nets down for a catch. And Peter goes, well, I tried that all night last night and I got nothing. I think that's why Jesus added that, let's put your nets in for a catch, right? Because what had happened the, the time before was nothing happened. And so Peter didn't really want to. And, and the connection is, is as Christ has formed in us, we need to recognize something. Number one is, is that there can be times that Jesus invites us to do things that we don't want to do. Peter did not want to go out. He had been out all night the night before, that night before. He just wanted to go home. They had been mending their nets. They had kind of cleaned them up, and they got them ready for the next time they went out fishing, and he was ready to go home. And Jesus says, hey, let's go out into the deep water. And Peter's like, oh, come on. Right? Sometimes I think we act that way towards Jesus. But if you look at the story, I would, and this is just a little guess, okay, I could be wrong, but I don't think Peter ever regretted going out into the deep water. Because he had the greatest fishing story of his life, right? I mean, the fish were so abundant, he had to have a second boat, and the, their boats were almost sinking because of it. We continue on, and what we see is that they get done, they come to shore, and Jesus says, Follow me. And what the story goes is that the, these four men, they pulled their boats, boats up on shore and they left everything. They left everything, including the fish they just caught. Jesus calls us, continually calls us to leave everything. He's constantly in conversation with us about something that maybe we've been hanging on to that that he's saying, will you leave that and follow me? And so today we continue on in our story. As Christ is formed in us, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. My, my challenge to you as we read this passage is I want you just maybe to, if you notice something as we read this story, would you just underline it? It's really easy for us, really easy for us to just kind of read through uh, Scripture, especially stories we know, and, and just treat them as a story. But I want to challenge us to, to stop and go, I never, maybe I didn't ever notice that before. Oh, that's a weird way of saying it. Or I wonder what that meant. Just underline it, okay, as we read through this. Starting at verse 12, verse, chapter 5 of, chap, of Luke, okay? Starting at verse 12. While Jesus was in, in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, 
But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Okay, so what we're going to do as we look at this story is, first of all, we're going to just kind of, we're going to spend a little bit of time studying the passage, okay? So we're going to, we're going to look at some things that I noticed that, that maybe, I don't know if you noticed them or not, but, but hopefully at least one or two things that we all have in common that we all kind of noticed, okay? Just to spend some time in the story. And then we're going to transition to putting those lenses on of, okay, Christ formed in me. What happens in this story that, that maybe Jesus is doing in my life or wants to do in my life? So as I read through the story, there's a few things that I noticed. Number one is, is, is that, that it's easy to, easy to kind of read over is this, that, the, that Luke tells us the man was covered in leprosy, okay? Covered in leprosy. Now, this is a doctor speaking, so we probably should at least pause for a moment, moment and try to go, what is he, what, so what is Luke saying in this in that statement, he's covered in leprosy. Well, if you were to go back into the Old Testament, what you would find is, more than likely, some of the cases that, that, that maybe were lumped together, leprosy was kind of a general term. And so um, skin diseases, all skin diseases, most skin diseases were kind of lumped together. So Jesus's, in Jesus' day, it's a little bit different. And as Luke is writing, what he's wanting to tell us is, this guy has got it, Okay? It's covered his body. This isn't just like a, there's, there's not a question of whether he's got leprosy or not. And it's leprosy. He's covered all over his skin. All right? It's in the advanced stages of it. As we continue to read, what I hear is, is the man fell on his face in front of Jesus and he begged Jesus. What I hear in that is that's, a language or the language of worship. As Jesus is approached, this man falls at his feet. This man understands his place. And he has some idea of Jesus' position, his power, and his authority. He understood he didn't belong there, but he was there. We continue to read, and, and he makes this statement. The man says, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. Does anyone else kind of slow down on that for a moment? It's kind of a strange way to say it, isn't it? I think it is. I mean, at first glance, I kind of think of it as, you know, something more like, you know, I mean, Jesus, if you wanted to give me a million dollars, I'd take it, you know. But is it possible that maybe that's not exactly what he's saying? What he's, is it possible that he's, he's understanding a little bit that sometimes there are factors that we don't get? What things do you bring before Jesus? Do we understand that even when we ask God, it's still a matter of God being willing we don't deserve any of it. We, we sometimes, we might be more entitled or have the attitude of entitlement more than we recognize. 
Well, why wouldn't God want to do this for me? Of course he's willing, right? Because it benefits me. Sometimes, sometimes we even get angry with him when he doesn't. Because we, we might ask, well, why doesn't he want to? Why wouldn't he want to? Listen, it's important for us to get this. God does not make decisions based on his mood for the day. Now, that might be really hard for us to understand, but he doesn't, he doesn't do that. You know, sometimes with my kids, I, honestly, there are times when they're driving me crazy, and they ask for something, and I go, no. And then in my mind, I think, why did I just say no? It's fine if they do that. Well, I was in a bad, they kind of were bothering me a little bit, right? They kind of were, they were getting me a little bit upset, and so I'm not going to give them anything. God's not like that. That's not like, you're driving me crazy. No, you can't have that. It isn't about what mood he is in. If this fits into your plan, because you have a plan, and there's so many elements to your plan, I can't even comprehend all of your elements to your plan, but if you are willing, would you? I I like the way the man approaches him. Now, that's an interesting thing that he, that, he, that he says. You can, you can cleanse me, right? You can, you can make me clean if you want to. Now, this may just be semantics. It may be just a substitution of words, but I think there's a difference between being cleansed and being healed. Okay? There's a difference here that, that maybe we need to recognize. And as we look at that, I'm, we're going we're gonna to take just a moment and kind of spend some time on leprosy. And let me tell you, I, I, I was going to give you some pictures, but they're pretty gross, okay? So I didn't want it to be a distraction. It, it's, it's, it's disgusting, okay? It's really kind of gross to look at. But, but let's understand this. Leprosy, all right? Number one is this, this, you on your own cannot conquer leprosy. I mean, if you were to get it, Heaven forbid. If you were to get leprosy, guess what? You can't just go, well, my immune system's pretty good. I'll probably be fine. Okay? Your immune system can't do it. And so as we look at this, I want us to see this, that cleansed is a greater statement when it comes to leprosy. It's greater than healed. Healed is good. Cleansed is better. Here's why. See, leprosy was a disease of separation. It wasn't, I mean, if it's not bad enough that you've got, you know, you got uh, the symptoms. So you want to know the symptoms? Here they are. White patches on your skin. Uh, running sores. That sounds gross, doesn't it? Loss of fingers and toes and your nose. Your bones can begin to twist. The curling of the fingers and forming a claw hand. Your face begins to kind of change. The ears will um, become deformed, thickening of the outer ear. And your nose collapses. It's not just a skin disease because it actually attacks your nervous system and so you, you lose the 
the sensation of pain. You can't sense when you're, something's too hot or something's too cold or something's too sharp or something's too tight. And so they injure themselves. Can I pause for a minute? I want you to recognize something. I think we give, are given a picture with leprosy as a comparison of what sin is in our life. Okay? I want you to hang on to this thought, okay? because it, it, it's going to develop as we talk. Hopefully, I, I make sense. All right? If we begin to look at leprosy as kind of like this illustration of sin, we don't recognize when we're, things are hurting us. And the, the devastating effects that it can cause. For a Jewish person, for an Israelite, um, it was a dreaded, it was a terrible situation to get leprosy. I mean, worse than probably other cultures. Because it made you ceremonially unclean. And for an Israelite, being able to, to approach God is an important thing because that's when you would you would take your sacrifices and that your sin would be would be atoned for. So if you couldn't make sacrifices because you were unclean, that meant you weren't having your sin forgiven. And not only that is, is you people had to stay away from you because if you were around them, you would make them unclean. And so you were rejected. You were you were pushed out of community. You they lived on the outside of the towns. Leprosy was, was not just about the physical effects of somebody because they were, they were taken out of community. If you got healed, it didn't mean that you were welcomed right back into the community. You had to go through a process of being cleansed. So the man wasn't asked for healing. He was asked for being clean. He wanted all of it restored. So leprosy meant being out of community. Sin creates this division between us and God. We are no longer able to to be in community with Him. Leprosy is like our sin condition. This leper, he was someplace that he shouldn't have been because he encountered Jesus. Anyone who came into contact with a leper was also considered unclean. They, the priests would have been waiting to see if this guy was going to get a disease if you touched him. So the lepers were isolated. It was a humiliating and lonely life. Listen, if you were to go to Leviticus, which you can, it'll be up on, part of it will be up on the screen in a moment. Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 are almost entirely dedicated to skin diseases and especially leprosy. Think about this for a minute, okay? Two chapters in the book of Leviticus about, one about how to treat a leper, and next is if you're healed from being, from being a leper. Okay, two, book, two chapters. That's a lot of material. If you were to read chapter 13, you would see that there's a lot of details there. I'm not going to read all of it, but we'll read two verses. Okay? If you have leprosy, if the priest has determined that you are, you are 
um, suffering from leprosy. Here's what, the, here's what we're, they're told. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has infection, the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside of the camp. Okay? And it goes on. It's a lot of space devoted towards this disease. It wasn't really about uh, healing here. It was about how do we decontaminate? How do we decontaminate the community to remove the person? We go on to Leviticus 14, and it says, if you're healed from it, here's what you do. So when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that, that Moses wrote about, Leviticus 14. That's a lot of information there. I'm not going to read it. It has to do with sacrifices. It has to do with washing. It has to do with some, a, a period of time that needs to go by before he's, the person is allowed back into community. So two chapters devoted towards this, this leprosy. Guess what? There is two that I can find of in the Old Testament stories of somebody actually having leprosy and being healed. Do you guys understand? We have this big chunk of Scripture, and yet we've got two stories of anything happening. The first story we find is a guy named Naaman, and he had leprosy, but he wasn't an Israelite. But his slave girl was an Israelite, and she said, oh, if you could just go see Elijah. So he goes to visit Elijah, and Elijah tells him, I want you to go wash, and then blah, blah, blah. says that, it doesn't say blah, blah, blah. You can read the story, but um, anyway, when he he finally decided to go ahead and do what Elijah said, he was healed, and he went home. There was no cleansing ritual because he was not an Israelite. And then the next story we have is, it's, it's kind of an odd story. It's, it's about Miriam. Miriam is Moses' sister. More than likely, Miriam was the, the young lady who put Moses as a baby in the basket and floated him out into, into the Nile to, to Pharaoh's daughter. And Miriam's the one that, that, that ra- helped to raise Moses. Well, Moses got married to an Ethiopian woman, and they, and Aaron, Moses' And Miriam, Moses' sister, were not impressed, okay? They, they did not like his choice, and they started talking bad. So God says, hey, we need to have a meeting. Miriam, Aaron, Moses, let's get together at the tent of meeting. So they get together. God shows up in a pillar of, cloud, in a pillar of smoke and basically says, who do you think you are, Aaron, Aaron and Miriam? Who do you think you are? Talking about Moses like that. Do you not understand I meet with Moses face to face. We have this relationship that you don't have with, with me. You do not talk to him about like this. You don't talk about him like this. And he, and he leaves. And when he leaves, she, Miriam is covered with white patches on her skin. She has leprosy. Moses pleads her case, asks, asks that, that God not hold this against her, and God heals her. She goes seven days of a cleansing process, and she's welcomed back into the community. That's it. Two chapters in Leviticus, and these are the stories we have. This might not mean anything to you, but I go, 
why would, they, why would God dedicate so much space to leprosy, the, the determining if you have leprosy, what to do if you have leprosy, and if you're healed? And we've got two obscure stories of somebody being cured from leprosy. We're talking about the days of Elijah. We're talking about the days farther back, the days of Moses, and they're dealing with leprosy. Several, several hundred years go by, almost 2,000 years go by, right? And we have Jesus. Guess what? There's no cure for leprosy yet. Still no cure, but God has provided a way back into community if you have it and you're healed. Do you see the picture here? It's a picture of our sin issue. Thousands of years, sacrificial system was a band-aid to our sin problem. Jesus comes and he cleanses us so that we can be part of community with God again. We're given a picture of the sin problems in our life. The next thing I notice is Jesus touches the leper. Please don't miss the significance of this moment. We live in a culture that really struggles with uncleanness. You may not think that, but, but l- listen, I don't, know, I don't know when this started, but somehow hand sanitizer has become a co- school supply. I mean, when you think of education, you think of hand sanitizer, right? What's the deal there? We've got to make sure we've got enough hand sanitizer. Well, of course, we don't want kids spreading their colds and things like that, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Have you ever been to a, a sink that has soap and hand sanitizer at it? I don't even know what to do with that. Someone might need to help me. I don't know if I use the sanitizer first and then use the soap, or am I supposed to use the soap and then use the hand sanitizer with... And sometimes, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I, you turn the water on and then you accidentally use the hand sanitizer and you got water and sanitizer on your hands. I don't know if those work together or work against each other. I'm not sure what the deal is there, but we live in a society that uncleanness is, is it's not okay. Here, this man has the mother of all diseases at that point in time at least. And Jesus reaches down and he touches when I was a kid, there wasn't a three-second rule. If you could dust the dirt off of it, you could eat it. In Jesus' stories of healing, he doesn't always touch the person he's healing. This was a very intentional act. Normally, if you touched an unclean person, you were unclean. But do you see this? Jesus, Jesus isn't made unclean. In fact, we could say this, that Jesus isn't uncle- made unclean by our filth. He's greater than he is the only one who can touch 
and make clean. I'm willing to say this, that the world doesn't make God unclean. God makes his creation clean. We should see that in this story. This is, this is the first story of Jesus' ministry that, that Jesus is, does a cleansing. It's not a healing. He already healed a few people, but this isn't a healing. This is a cleansing. And then Jesus, the last thing I want us to notice is this. Jesus sends him to the priest as a testimony to them. What a strange statement. Jesus sends the, him to the priest to, as a testimony to them. It's interesting that the, what Jesus is doing is, is he's saying, hey, well, I know what Leviticus says because he connects it. He says, just like Moses told you, look at Leviticus 14. This is what you need to go do. Show yourself to the priest, and he's going to tell you what to do. You have to bring some sacrifices. You're going to have to go through a cleansing process. You're going to wait. But guess what? You are clean. I have made you clean. Isn't, you're not going to the priest to be made clean. You're going to the priest because I want them to see what's happened. So I can't help but go, well, what was the testimony? What did, this, what did they understand? What did the priests think when this guy showed up that was healed? Makes me wonder. So if you go back into Leviticus, there's a long, long piece of, this is how you determine if somebody has leprosy. The priest's job was to determine whether somebody has leprosy or not. Is it possible? Okay, this is just speculation. You, you just, if you don't like speculation, if you don't think this has place in the sermon, then you just put, put a pause on your listening for a moment, okay? Okay, here's my speculation. I wonder if the priest that he went to was the same guy who dis- determined that he had leprosy to begin with. Okay? Small communities, very possible. Same guy. Now, with that in mind, what do you think the guy, the priest, what do you think his response was? What? I mean, I only know of Miriam and and Naaman. I don't know of anybody else that's been healed of leprosy. This is absolutely amazing. I mean, I know how bad you were, dude. You had stuff all over your body. It It was terrible. I mean, I was ready for your nose to fall off. Now you're standing in front of me, and you're clean. How did that happen? Ah, Jesus touched me. The priests should have been those people in 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 their culture who were aware, the most aware, of when something was an act of God. I can only imagine what that priest was thinking when he saw this guy. Are you kidding me? He touched you? I mean, I wouldn't even touch you. Things went in reverse order. He didn't get clean. I mean, he didn't get unclean. You got clean. Power that was at work here. So as we spend some time on that story, now let's let's ask, let's put those lenses on. As Christ is formed in you, what does that mean? What's going on in us that looks a little bit like this? As we look at that story and we see Jesus heal the leper, what Jesus is doing and what Jesus does, 
as he becomes greater and I become less, what's going on in me? The first thing I want us to see is, um, as I look at myself as the leper in the story, the first thing I see is, the, I see the bravery of the leper. Okay, remember Leviticus 13, right? You're supposed to walk around with your, with your face covered, your hair a mess, your, your clothes torn, looking just nasty, gross, right? Everybody goes, oh, look at that guy. He looks terrible. And you're supposed to walk around shouting unclean. What a, would you want to go anywhere? And yet, this guy comes and finds Jesus. Of anybody that could have faced rejection, this was the guy. And he falls on his face in front of Jesus. This guy has a recognition of of who he is. See, real worship is a recognition of somebody greater than ourselves. Real worship is to have a recognition of somebody greater than ourselves. We may worship things that aren't actually greater than us. That's not, that's not real worship. To worship God takes courage. See, he knew he was unclean. This was a risky move. To approach Jesus... Was, was an opportunity for rejection. He knew he didn't deserve to be in Jesus' presence. See, in its day, it was the most contag- one of the most contagious and dangerous diseases. It doesn't get any lower than where he was at. Cure hasn't didn't come around till about 1940, 1950 is when they were actually be, were were becoming effective in treating it. According to what I read, it's it's about a year long um, treatment of heavy antibiotics for a year. In our modern medicine, this is what it takes to get rid of leprosy. Back up two thousand years, it doesn't get any worse. The lowest of the low. The worst disease you could think of and to be rejected by everybody in your life. To be alone. There isn't anything lower. It slowly eats away at you until you die. Do you see the picture of sin? as a comparison to leprosy? How far can he reach? Well, he reached the lowest to low here. Do we understand who's come to live in us? We invited him into our life and he wants to be formed in us. Do we understand this? Do we realize we have been given his spirit? Quite honestly, when I stopped to think about that, I kind of bounce back and forth between two, two extremes. From one side, I'm like, he's forgiven me. I'm clean. That is a celebration moment. And then these other moments where I go, man, 
I'm filthy. There are times when I recognize who God is and I go, I am so not how I need to be. Isaiah said it, woe is me from a man of unclean lips when he was in the presence of God. I bounce back and forth. Sometimes I feel filthy, sometimes I feel clean. Both are kind of true. Jesus washes away our sin, making us white as snow, so we are clean. And yet, I continually discover these places in my life where I've held back from Jesus. These moments, I would relate it to this. You ever bought like something brand new that's white? And then it somehow mixes in with your other whites and you go, whoa, my other whites look terrible, right? <laughs> our water's kind of, we got a hard water and so our whites turn orangey, orangey yellow. So when you buy new whites, it's like, ugh, do we keep the old, right? What looked white now isn't white compared to white. So these moments of feeling, I've, I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm not clean. These moments I discover, wait, I'm not as clean as I thought I was. Or I've you know, tried to hide my guilt. Or, or I'm infected and I fall short of his glory. I look at this leper and I'm challenged to approach Jesus the same way. I read this story and I hear this, this quiet voice drawing me to bring my uncleanness to his feet. That takes courage. It's a lot easier just to ignore it. It's a lot easier just not to address it. If you understand your condition, then it takes courage to ask to be clean. Do you approach Jesus the same way? Are you able to approach him like we see this guy do? And look what Jesus does. To the man who was at the bottom of the society, to the bottom of every group out there, look what he does. Second thing, he reaches down and he touches. Jesus reached down as low as you can go to the mother of all diseases and he touches the man. He can reach the most unclean. And the guy is cleansed. Somehow Jesus takes our sin upon himself and remains clean. I don't get it, but I believe it. I don't think the priest got it. I don't think the priest understood, wait, you're clean and he's still clean. I don't understand how that happened. As he's formed in me, 
he uncovers these things in my heart that are disgusting, that are unclean, that, that are, are full of ugliness. Now, you might be sitting there going, whoa, Darren's got some really terrible things in his closet, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> There are times that God uncovers places in my life that I all of a sudden realize that is not Christ-like. Have you ever caught yourself lying and then gone afterwards like, why did I do that? I know that's terrible. I know that's wrong. But there's still these places in my life where they just he peels that back and I see it. I don't know if that's the way you picture it in your life. I don't know if that's how how you think it operates, but that's kind of that activity that I see of Jesus in my life. Okay, it's time for that next layer. Let's peel that off so we can deal with the stuff that's underneath it. It's painful, but it's painful because it's this self-discovery of, oh, that's what's really down there. He knows what's in your heart better than you do. And as he peels that away, it's a lot like that leprosy, uncovering our uncleanness. But he uncovers it so he can cleanse it. He doesn't uncover it so that he can go, ew. When we see it, what do we do with it? There are Christians that will look at your uncleanness and have no patience. This is a sad truth. There are Christians that will look at your areas of uncleanness and go, I can't believe that guy. They will have no compassion, no patience, and all they'll do is point and say, unclean, unclean. Shame on us. We're not the ones that claim other people's uncleanness. Did you read Leviticus? It's the leper that's supposed to go around and say unclean, unclean. Not the rest of the people around them supposed to go unclean, unclean. Okay? But as Christians, I think sometimes we have this tendency to do that. Jesus' response is not to pull away. I mean, the story would look totally different if the guy was covered up and he came up and he kind of pulled his cloak over his head and Jesus went, oh, right? Totally different story. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He reaches down. Sometimes I think the way Jesus talks to me, it's not right. Okay, this isn't the way Jesus talks to me. Sometimes I think he does this. It's wrong, okay, do you hear this? It's wrong, but sometimes I think he goes, I am so tired of your uncleanness. Your leprosy is getting old. I think he peels back that layer to show us the uncleanness so he can say, do you want me to clean this? 
Say the word. As he's formed in you, he is cleaning as he goes. It's not like he pulls the rug up and he goes, oh, I didn't know that was there. We don't surprise him. We never surprise him. Sometimes it looks like when, when we find out we're unclean, sometimes it looks like those people that they just kind of drop off the face of the earth when it comes to church. Do you, you know anybody like that? Don't, don't name names, okay? You know anybody like that? that just all of a sudden, they're, they're there at church, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. And we go, what happened? But then there's those of us that stick around, guess what? I think there's this other subtle reflex to discovering our uncleanness. Sometimes our sense of being unclean makes us hide what's really happening in our lives. A moment ago, I said something about, you know, Jesus reveals stuff that's ugly and unclean. And I made the statement, you're probably sitting there going, whoa, what skeletons are in his closet, right? Guess what? All of us are like, I don't want to say what's where I'm unclean. I don't want to admit I'm unclean because then everybody's going to be like, ooh. See, we relate unclean to rejection. We see it in, the, in, in Scripture even. We relate unclean to rejection. If you don't believe me, show up to work as you're just like death warmed over sick, okay? And then be a close talker, see how what people think. 99 times out of 100, I'm guessing people are going to be like, okay? Okay, maybe that's not the way to go. Maybe just this. Don't shower, don't put deodorant on, don't brush your teeth, and watch that bubble of cushion, you know, that cushion around you of of people entering your space just get bigger and bigger. What do we say when somebody goes, hey, I'm coming over to your house, and you get off the phone, and you're like, oh, no, we got to clean. Right? There's something about this unclean, and we're gonna, they're going to think something worse of me. There's a rejection there. And so what we do is we're unclean. We find out we're unclean, and so then we got to pretend like we're not. When we pretend, we put up these walls around us that nobody gets to come in. Guess what? We're no longer part of community when we put these walls up. Jesus cleansed us from sin so that we could be close to God, so we'd be close to each other. Jesus doesn't pull away when you're unclean. He reaches out. None of us go, you know what? I'm sick. I sure need to go see the doctor, but I got to get better before he'll see me. Right? I mean, I'm thankful for doctors because they're the only ones that are moving in when you're sick and everybody else is moving away from you. You ever thought about that? You get to bring all of your nasty cold and everything else to them so they can help you. Nurses, same thing, okay? (laughs) 
That's a picture of Jesus. Jesus isn't packing up and walking away when he uncovers you are unclean. He's reaching out. He shows compassion. But the more, you know what, the more I love him, the more difficult it is. I don't know if this will make sense to you, but the more difficult it is for me to let him be compassionate. Here's what I mean. Before I, I grew up in church, so it's a little bit harder for me, but, but before I really kind of committed my life to Christ, okay, before I finally decided I'm, this, I'm all in, before that, I can look back at this, my sin and I can say, I was dumb. That was wrong. But thank goodness he's forgiven me. But since that moment where I said, I'm all in, every time I'm, I sin, there's almost like it has a lot more weight to it. There's a lot more guilt involved, and sometimes it keeps me from feeling like I can draw close to him. Paul says it this way, be strong in grace. What an amazing statement. Be strong in grace. How do we be strong in something that's absolutely a free gift? It means that we rest in it, that we have faith in it, that we trust it so that we can show it to others. I can rest in his forgiveness as he's formed in you. Your uncleanness uncleanness doesn't surprise him. It doesn't make him pull away. He keeps reaching down with the words, be clean. If he's going to be formed in you, you have to remain open to his compassion. And there's something that's not in your notes that I discovered as I was working on reviewing this morning. This is the third point. As he's formed in you, you should also be asking yourself, how am I responding to the unclean around me? We don't join in their uncleanness, but, but do we see what Jesus does? Because as he's formed in you, he's going to be leading us the same way. As he goes, so do we. That he reaches out where everybody else is rejecting. Sometimes when we see other people sin, we get impatient, we get disappointed, we get frustrated, we get let down. But what's Jesus do? Continues to reach out. Do you seek his cleaning? The ailments that we have are a cleanliness issue, a sin issue. Would you pray with me this morning?
Lord Jesus, once again, my prayer is, is that you would be formed in us. That we'd bring our uncleanness to you bravely. That we would trust that you are not rejecting, that you're reaching out. And that we would, you would form, as you form in us, that we would reach those around us. are struggling in their filth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? More than likely, you're going to leave here today and forget everything that I just said. Actually, it doesn't matter what I said. How are you going to take what God said to you today and apply it? My challenge is is that you take a step. I'm, I'm acting in faith here that I think that God has already talked to you about something that needs to change, something that you need to do. Don't wait. If you have to do it before you leave the building, do it before you leave the building. If, if you can do it today, do it today. You are dismissed.